days. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deep congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pains have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab, and all the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. To your people, O Lord, pass by, to the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Amen. When the horses of the Pharaoh, when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. May God give us understanding in this reading of his word. I ask you to remain standing with me as we spend time in prayer. And after prayer, our choir will come with special music and then the preaching of God's word. As you stand, let's bow in a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here today. We thank you for your mercy that has preserved us through this week and given us a place and a time and a heart to worship you. We pray, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts and receive our praise and our worship today. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ who is our Savior, our Deliverer, who died on the cross to pay for our sin so that we could have relationship with you and worship you today. We pray for those who are sick amongst us, some who are here and not feeling well, some are not able to come today, and uh, we just pray for them, that you would watch over and keep them. We think of the, the kind family, that you would watch over and bless them. We think of Dale or James, that you would watch over him and uh, heal him. 
And uh, we just pray your blessing uh, on those who may not be, be feeling well today. Now bless this preaching of your word. Give us understanding from it. Challenge, encourage, motivate us to live in obedience to you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In our series in Exodus, there's a tremendous work that God has done that Israel begins to celebrate that work. And the way that they celebrate this work is to bring forth praise in song. They sing. They sing. Singing is a way to promote, to exalt, to praise, to worship. It's a common theme in God's Word. It's a common theme in Psalms. It's a good way for us to remember and to rehearse the deeds that God has done. When do you need to rehearse that? Well, if you're human and you're like me, there's oftentimes you wonder, why did you get that ugly thought in your mind? Why did you get something that is not pleasant, something that is not good, something that is not uh, good to dwell on? It may even be true, but it's something that you ought not to be focusing on. And what God does is he helps us to, to, to rinse those, those filthy thoughts, those no good thoughts, the, those thoughts that are not productive for us, to fill our hearts with worship, to remind ourselves of truths that would be helpful and beneficial for us. We ought to remember and reflect and think on God and who he is, what he has done, what he is doing now, and what he has promised to do. And so the song that they sing reflects those things. It reflects what God has done. It reflects who he is, what he is doing now, and what he will do. We do well to think on that, to reflect on that. What's the opposite of that? Well, we reflect on a lot of things. I reflect on myself. I reflect on my failures, my inadequacies. Um, I'm reminded, and those thoughts come to mind, and, and, and I need to rinse those things because I need to reflect on who God is, what he has said, and, and it's based on, on him and not just based on me. I want to I walk you through uh, some of the Psalms in God's word that look back to what God had done with his people uh, in delivering them from Egypt and then go through this song in Exodus 15. So let's, take a tr let's travel a bit through the Psalms. We're going to start at Psalm 77. Psalm 77, verse 11. I'm just going to read and let's ask you to just listen and follow along. Psalm 77, verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O oh God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 78, 
1 through 4. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Skip down to verse 12. I'm in Psalm 78, verse 12. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Psalm 103, verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Psalm 105, verse 23. Then Israel came to Egypt, Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke and the locusts came. Young locusts without number, which devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He poured out the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a, like a river, for he remembered his promise and Abraham his servant. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Psalm 106, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 22. Psalm 106, verse 7. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Verse 9, he rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. Verse 22, wondrous works. Verse 21 and 22, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Psalm 114. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of, of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams and hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of 
of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns a rock into a pool of water and flint into a spring of water. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings from the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who is in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed many kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the inhabitants of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants." And then lastly, Psalm 136, a couple verses there, verses 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 10, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever to him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. And then verse 23 of that same chapter. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. For his steadfast love endures forever and rescues us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. I wanted to read those verses that you might have them in your minds, in your memory that God reflects his wonders and his great works in words that he puts to song and would have us to sing them, to remember them, to rehearse what he has done. God uses that because in singing it makes an impression on us. What makes the biggest impression on you? What do you value more than most? What is worthy of song? What would you sing of, or what do you sing? What do you hum during the day? What's the whistle in your mind? What is that song about, and who is it reflecting? What deeds and action does it speak of? Can you think of anything greater than what God has done and anything greater than God himself? Now, there's a lot of things we think we, we sing about, especially in the world. And some of them are good and noble things. But there's nothing greater than God himself. Let me ask you this. Then why do you sit quiet when we sing? Why does your heart not yell within and reflect 
the praise of God. Even if your voice can't match your heart, let it be reflected in worship and in praise. Singing is a part of worship. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. It says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Another verse in Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So God would have us to sing and to express our praise to him in song and to hold in our memory what he has done. So let's take a look now at Exodus chapter 15 and see how this song expresses its praise to God. I want us to look purposely at just a couple of things. What is the object of praise in this song? And who is the subject of this praise? Simple questions and simple answers, but I want you to think about them. The Lord is the object of our praise. And it, sa it says here in verse 1, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing expresses this, this emotion that comes in our heart that is, is expressed in melody and words. But I will sing to who? I will sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. It is to God that we sing. And it says in verse 1, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song, Sang this song to the Lord. Sang this song to the Lord. You realize that as you worship and praise, you have a direct connection with God himself. You realize how amazing that is? If you have trusted in Christ, you have a direct connect. Let me give, let me give you an illustration of that. Uh, this week, I'm, um, uh, uh, I had to call the city of Milwaukee. I'm trying to get some, some permits to some, do some work at my house. And uh, first of all, they give you a website. Yeah, right. You know how that is. You get on the website, and I couldn't get past the first step. Because it asked me for something I had no way of knowing. And they knew I would have no way of knowing. So I call the connection to get answers, the helpline. Guess what I get? Yeah, a voicemail. Thank you for calling. Uh, you know, a worker will be to, here to assist you in just a moment, right? That went on for 10 minutes till I just hung up. I mean, I just couldn't take it after 10 minutes. I had called, so I called him back. And same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. I'm like, how am I going to get answers for this? Do you realize that when we pray, we don't get a voice message. <laughs> we get to connect directly with the Lord. You realize what a privilege that is? God is never too busy to give attention to his people, each and every one of them. So we sing and we have direct connection with God. They sang this song to the Lord. I want you to remember that as you worship, as you pray, as you sing, you're not singing to me. You're not singing to the person next to you. 
You're not even singing to, 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 to people that you are thankful for in your life. It could be your spouse. It could be your parents, your mother, your father. You're not singing to them. You are singing to the Lord. He is the object of our praise. Our praise goes to him, and it ought to go to him. So it says in verse 2, The Lord is my strength and my song. He's my song. Has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. I will exalt him. He sings to the Lord. He is the object of my worship and my praise. Not only is he the object, he's the subject of it. In other words, I sing of the Lord or about the Lord. I speak about him. I, I'm a little critical when it comes to our, our so-called Christian songs. I hear them, listen to them often, and too often they speak of our experiences with a focus on us. Instead of exalting God and let the focus be on him. Think about it. When we worship and we praise, our, he is to be the subject of my praise. Now, does that mean I'm not thankful for anything else in my life? It doesn't mean that. It means that all else would be nothing outside of who God is and what he has done. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thanking, and actually, I'm thankful for all those things because they're what God has given me. Let me not miss that first point. He's the one that has given me my riches, my greatest blessing. All good things come from God. And so he should be the subject of our praise. I like love songs like anybody else. We had a wonderful time yesterday in our, in our time together acknowledging our mates, our spouses, and in some cases spouses-to-be. Um, it's a great time doing that. But you know what? God gets cheated way too much in terms of our expressing of our praise to him. So we should make sure that our praise is to him and is actually about him. How do you do? Let's look at this passage and how it sings about God. First of all, it tells us who the Lord is, who the Lord is, expression of who he is. In verse 2, he is my strength. He is my song. He is my God. He is my father's God. In other words, there's a history that God has worked in my family to bring me to where I am right now, and I appreciate God and what he has done in that. In verse 3, who is he described as? He is a man of war. I love that. I love that. God is just not some, some ultra-liberal, gushy, loving God that has no other side to him. He is a man of war. He beat you down. God don't play that. God ain't messing, letting other folks mess around with his people without a consequence. He is a man of war. Look what else. In verse 6, how is God described? He is glorious in power with his right hand. <laughs> I like that. It's like, God, you, you can do this with just your right hand. You are glorious, your right hand, O oh Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O oh Lord, shatters the enemy. He is great in his majesty in verse 7. The greatness of your majesty. Majesty. He is unmatchable. He has no equal. Look in verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness. Awesome in glorious deeds. Doing wonders. The Lord is. Not only does he say what God is, he's, he says what he has done. In verse 1, 
and some of this is repetitious, but it's repetitious for a reason. It, 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 it's worth saying over and over again. Verse 1, he says, he's triumphed gloriously. I like that phrase. He's triumphed gloriously. When I watch uh, uh, sports, when I, when I have a favorite team, I, I, I like when they win, but I really love it when they just blow out to, to their opponent. When, when there's not even a contest. I, I, I like if they win in overtime by disappointing the last second something, but I love it when they just blow them out. It says God triumphs gloriously. You know what? It wasn't even a match for him in Egypt. It talks about Pharaoh, you know, resisting or hardening his heart. And these ten plagues, one after another, one plague would happen. And then Pharaoh would, would kind of like relent. He would say, yeah, I'll let the people go. And then he changed his mind. And, and if you, you can get the wrong impression, it would be a wrong impression that like God was really battling with Pharaoh. No, he wasn't. He wanted to destroy Egypt. He wanted Pharaoh to say no the first time so he could do more, the second time so he could do a little bit more, the third time so he could do even more. He wanted it to get all the way down to where the firstborn was destroyed. He was going to leave them with something, them meaning Pharaoh, meaning all of Egypt, and in fact, all of history looking back on that. He was going to leave them with something they would never forget. And the song memorializes what great thing that God has done. He's triumphed gloriously. It ain't even close. Look what else he's done. It says he's thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. That seems to be the theme. Uh, you see at the end of verse 21, it says Miriam sang to them. It's kind of the, the summary of the song. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. God will destroy and destroy it all. Um, in verse 4, he has cast Pharaoh, his chariots, and his host in, into the sea. I like that. Pharaoh's chariots and his host. It says his chosen officers, the best of the best, God defeated. In verse 6, he shatters the enemy. In verse 7, he overthrows the, his adversaries. It's, it's, it's a just repeated another way of saying the same thing, but it deserves to be repeated. God is the victor. When he battles, he wins. God is totally undefeated. Never has and never will be defeated. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we praise. This is the God has stepped into our lives and said, I am able to take you from where you were to where I will set you. I like this image in verse 8. He piles the waters with the blast of his nostrils. Wow. <laughs> I like the creativity that comes from from, from, from uh, this, this expression. And so the image to me is like a dragon, right? Who, who, who has from his nostrils something that goes out, such a force that it can divide the sea. Imagine that. In verse 7, he consumes uh, uh, his enemy like stubble. Verse 8, we mentioned, and he says, he stands up the floods in a heap. He's speaking of the water. In, in, in verse 8, he congeals, which means he turns from a fluid state to a solid state. That's what the word congeal means. He congeals the waters. He made water look like brick and stand firm and be stationary like a wall is what he did. Verse 9 and 10, I just wrote it this way. He makes his enemies look silly. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will devise and spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. In other words, they talk all that talk, and God said, get out of here. <laughs> all of that talk. He, he let them talk, and then he just acts. Maybe God is doing that in your life right now. You got some people really talking, 
<laughs> really saying big things, really acting like they can do something. Satan is glaring his head in your life. You need to look to the Lord who delivers his people. And he wants his people to remember that, reflect on that, and praise him in that. As you pray today, as you go back to your home and spend some time in prayer, if it's at night or, or you start the next day, think about and re, re, rehearse in your mind and rehearse aloud some of the things that God has done for you that day. Think about it. And then ask God, as part of your prayer, what are you looking forward for him to do? Because he ain't finished. What he did yesterday, he's still working today. Ask him, what do you look to him to do today? When you look at what he has done, it gives you encouragement of what he can and will do in your life. It calls faith. It's called faith. In, excuse me, in Romans 10, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In other words, the more we rehearse what God has done, the more we are settled in our faith about what he will do. So if you're unsettled, you know, we got all this mental illness that we talk about today, and we talk about a person just being, having anxiety. Look, our world, ain't nothing really changed. It's the same old, same old. Anxiety is because you are not trusting in God. You don't fully believe what he has done, and so you're not applying it to what he can do. Why would you be anxious about anything then if you know who God? See, it's not a matter of how big your trouble is, because I admit trouble gets big. It's a matter of do you remember how big and how great your God is? When you know how great he is, anxieties melt away as we trust in him. We begin to trust in him. We begin to recall what he has already done. And there's a peace that comes over us, a stillness that says, Lord, forgive me for fretting. Forgive me for not trusting in you based on who you are. I will trust you. You told me to trust in your son, that you would care for the very most important aspect of my life, my eternity. How can I not know that you will bring me from here to there and you will carry me through? I want you to see also not only what God has done, that's expressed in uh, verse 10. We talked about verse 12. It says, he stretched out his right hand and the earth swallowed the enemies. Verse 12, he stretched out his right hand. The, uh, um, yes, so it repeats that. But not only what God has done, but what he causes or the impact of what he's done. I want to look at the impact in verse, um, verse 14 through 16. The peoples have heard they tremble. Pains have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Now, I want to back up a little bit. Remember, you remember um, that when God took his people out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea in the, in, in, in the chapter before, it said God chose to, to take them not through the path of the Philistines. He chose to take them in another path because he did not want them to immediately go into war. Keep that in mind. So the Philistines were a large and mighty army, and God chose to route them around them. But in spite of that, I want you to see something about them. It says, the peoples have heard and they tremble. Now, there's some truth there that we, we need to digest, we need to take in. This was a mighty army that God says, I don't want my people to encounter, and yet that, that's the kind of the, the view from them from the outside, but from the inside, we get another perspective of them. They were looking at Israel like, whoa, we ain't finna mess with them. Do you realize that? 
Do, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? We tend to look at people and we see their power and their strength. We tend to look at situations and we see the awesomeness of it. But we need to look from the other side as they look at God and say, whoa, I ain't finna mess with them. It's like the old days. We used to walk to school and we'd encounter bullies. And if some houses we didn't want to go past, we'd cross the street and, and walk another way. Because we thought they were looking at us like meat. We can't wait for them to come down. We, we, finna, we finna take advantage of them. But in reality, they have just as much fear, even more, knowing that God is working in your life. God has put a mark on you. <laughs> Other people see the problem is when people fear, they, they have different reactions, and sometimes they attack because of fear. You realize when, when you come across a, a dog that you don't know, sometimes you can tell by its language that is fearful of you, but because of that fear, it may very well attack you. But understand the fear, understand it, understand that God has elevated our position. So that we walk in his strength. Ask God to let you see things as they really are. As he sees them. And not as the world would have you to see. Now, Satan, I've mentioned this before. Satan works on this theme of intimidation. Because if he can intimidate you, he doesn't have to do anything. Boo! Right? That's what people used to do. They used to act like they finna hit you and you go, ah. they don't really want to swing. They don't want to waste the energy. They don't want a real fight. That's how Satan is. He'd rather work on intimidation. You need to stand up to that intimidation by trusting in God. It says the people have heard they tremble. And it lists all the people that Israel is about to conquer. Think about that. This is a, a slave nation coming out with, with no weapons, no army, no nothing. And they're marching. And God is going to give them victory over all these folks they, they like walking past. Well, how do we relate to this? Let me... Bring us to, to this. And I think this is a very important part of this passage. Verse 16, 17, and 18. I read 16 already, but let me read it again. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. To your people, O Lord, pass by. To the people pass by by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Now, I got to tell you something. That is prophetic because, I'm sorry, the land of Canaan does not fulfill that. It says this, God is going to Bring them in and plant them where? In your own mountain. Now, it's true that, that God spoke to, to, to uh, Moses on this mountain and, 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 and even before, uh, um, you know, when, when he was sending Moses back down to, to the people and uh, we saw that scene of the burning bush that was on the mountain of God, right? And God is going to send them back. But this, this has to be representative because it speaks in this way. You bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O oh Lord, which you have made your abode. That can't just be Mount Horeb, the place where God has made his abode. God does not dwell simply here on earth. His abode is where? It's in heaven. Say it again. His abode is where? It's in heaven. God, this is prophetic. God will deliver his people until they're safely in his home. 
That talks to me and you. This whole act was to show us that God has the power and the will to do what he called, what, 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 he, what, he, what he said he would do and to complete that task. He is going to rescue his people out of slavery and bring them all the way into the promised land. But that's just a picture. That's just a sample that he's going to rescue his people here today. Here in all of history, he's going to rescue human beings like me and you, and he's going to bring us to completion until we dwell with him forever. Till the people pass by, by whom you have purchased, you bring them in and plant them. On your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which you have made which you which your hands have established. And then he says this at the end. It's not just something tacked on to the end. The Lord will reign forever and ever. In other words, he's not saying, hey, hey, God is going to help his people and bring them out of Egypt, and he's going to be their God until they get to the place of Canaan. No, he's going to reign forever, forever. This is a spiritual word to us today. This is a saying to God's people today, that God will keep his promise. He will deliver his people from their oppression and bring them to his possession. He's going to take them out of this world of sin and bring them into where they will live eternally with him. He's speaking to us today. He's saying, you can count on me. He said, look, I gave you this story simply to show you that I have the power to do what I said I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. You see, trusting in God is realizing what he has in mind for his people. It's more than just the sustenance from day to day. It's more than just getting out of the temporary physical oppressions that we face right now. So many people uh, spiritualize or, or, or they, they always analyze or analogy, uh, makes analogies to this in terms of walking through this life. And yes, I understand that. I get that. God is going to bring you through whatever it is you, you're overcoming. If, if that's sin, whatever flavor that sin is, if it's drug and drug addiction, if it's anxiety, whatever it is, God will bring you through that. But it's way more than just that. It is he'll bring you through that to bring you all the way to him. It is we trust God to deliver us, not just from the temporary ails of our lives today, not to give you that check, just to give you that check on Friday, or to clear you of that flu that you have today, or, or, or whatever the ailment that you pray for him now. It's not just that. He's able certainly to do that, but he's going to do way more than that. He's asking you to trust him, and he's going to bring you into his abode into his place, into his sanctuary where he lives. God is promising that to his people. By the way, do you notice it's not Moses doing that? Not, Moses is not the subject or the object of this song. It's God. It's God's going to do this. Not another nation, uh, no, no other being, no other God. It's God, the Lord of his people in Israel. He is going to perform this. And it says, hey, worship this God. Sing a song that is most worthy to be sung. I notice our young people today, they, they do their songs, they do their raps. They, uh, some of them are singing about the trials of life and the ups and downs. Some of them are speaking about love and the, the love relationships they have. And those things are significant in our life. But you know what? Sing what is most worthy of our life. Sing to the Lord. Look at what he has done. Be encouraged about what he is doing right now to know that he will do what he has promised to do. And that is to redeem his people. It says the ones he has purchased, he has paid for. He is redeeming his people to eternity. Now, 
some, some charge us with this, that we are so heavenly minded that we aren't any earthly good. I want you to mind that when you have a, a, a mindset on heaven, you actually work through all the minor headaches on earth because they are just that. They're minor. They seem so significant now, but they are just that. They are minor. You and I may live here 70 years, 80 years, 90 years for some. But this is just now and temporary. God wants you to have a mindset that looks to what he is doing eternally. And that's why I like the ending that the Lord will reign forever and ever. He's the God that we can trust for all of eternity. And since we trust him for all of eternity, it's a simple thing to trust him day by day. This is just the path to eternity. Trust him day by day. Can you trust him for that? Should you trust him for that? Must you trust him for that? Amen. Yes. And much, much more. He accomplished this through his deliverer. He has sent his son Jesus to make the purchase for his people. Jesus has done that. Are you part of his people? Are you part of those who trust in him? Will you be encouraged by who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do on behalf of his people? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would strike our hearts with rebuke in those areas that we have allowed our anxieties to be bigger than you. I pray, Lord, that you would make our faith practical, that we trust that you are able to do and to, to, to complete everything that you've promised. And I pray, Lord, that you would call us to walk with you by faith, trusting in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and being faithful walk with you because of your faithful commitment to us. We pray this now in Jesus' name.